0: Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host. Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carillo. Today we have Gary Lipsky. Gary has been investing in real estate since 2002. During that time, he has invested in over 1,900 apartments with $30 million worth of assets under management. So thanks so much for being on the show, Gary. Yeah, thanks for having me. So give us a little bit about your background, both personally and uh, professionally, before getting involved in real estate investing.
1: Yeah, I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, During college, I started a a restaurant delivery service. I co-produced three independent films in my 20s. Um, I started a nonprofit, and I started an educational company that served 9,000 kids uh, throughout Southern California. So, you know, running businesses was in my blood, and I kind of learned about real estate investing. Um, you know, when I was looking to buy my 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 first house when I when I had a kid, I wish my parents talked about that uh, about that to to build wealth. You know, when I was younger, but we never had those discussions. But uh, I'm glad I I started when I did. And, um, and obviously, you know, I, I, it took a while to, to, to really get into it, but then I started doubling down as, as I got older.
0: What was the main reason that you got into it to build wealth or for another, another exactly, other reason
1: to build wealth? And, and, um, you know, the, um, when I, I was investing in, in tech stocks and whatnot, and then that bubble blew up and then it was like, and there was no rhyme and reason. And it was just. Part lack of education and, and I wanted to control my own destiny. And so, that's why with with real estate, I, I know I could force appreciation. Um, I controlled a lot of the things that went on, and I could um, hold long term. I had there's no outside manipulation of of financials or whatnot. So I, I felt like this, you know, when when ninety ninety percent of millionaires uh, own real estate, I'm like, obviously they're doing something right. So. Uh, I wanted to be in control of my my uh my destiny and so I um I started slowly and uh and learned as much as I can.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's such a it's such a powerful wealth creator, and I think it's it's it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit with properties that I own. I bought one property uh at the height of 06, which I still own now, and um I was just looking back and like talking to some realtors about it, real uh brokers about it. And they're like, oh, it's probably worth like uh, this huge, you know, this amount here. And I bought it at the top of the market. I had no, know why. I thought I was going to be like holding this thing for years if I had to. And they're like, oh, it's up this much here and stuff. And you're like, wow, it's amazing because it's not like a perfect market where you log into your trading account and you're like, oh, this is my brokerage account, right? And we have a, we, you know, it dramatically, it, it rides right off of inflation and everything like this. So it's the thing is that when there's inflation, when anything else, like everything just kind of goes up and real estate kind of rides that way for the most part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tremendous uh, vehicle. Um, I've, I, I've done really well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about how you started investing in real estate, your first investments.
1: So, you know, my, my, my first investment was my, you know, single family home for my family. I was looking for, you know, a, a value add play. I, I had no money to put down. Here I was, you know, 30 buying, you know, a half million dollar house, you know, what the heck am I doing? Um, uh, but I knew if we can open up the kitchen, we converted the, the garage into a living space and, and that created a lot of value. So, um, I mean, I created $150,000 of wealth in, in a very short period of time with, with no, with no money down. Um, and then we moved to, you know, a nicer neighborhood and I converted that house into a, a rental. And, and so I, I, this was over years and I was moving slow, but, um, you know, at, once I started, you know, Seeing how the the effects of this, you know, I, I read you know tons of books and you know podcasts were just coming out. I started listening to those, going to some conferences, and just you know learning as much as I could so that I can I could minimize my mistakes and you know maximize my upside. And then you know eventually we bought um, a forty two unit um, almost about a, a year and a half ago, and that was that was my first foray as a, as a GP. I had invested in other people's deals, um, but, you know, then now, now we're starting, we're closing on our, on our third deal today, actually.
0: Nice. So what is your current company's investment criteria and strategy when looking at properties and acquiring them?
1: Yeah, we're, we typically focus on Phoenix and Tucson. We're not the GPs that, you know, focus all over the, the U.S. We want to be experts in the in, in a, in a market. We love those markets because of population growth, job growth, rent growth. Um it's for us it's easy to get to as well. I mean that's not a huge factor, but it is a factor because we're there a lot. I don't I don't live in that market, but uh, I can drive there and be there in five hours or we could fly and, and be there in an hour. Um but uh yeah, we, we're focusing on that B and C class value add, typically 1980s or newer, so that when we when we go to exit there there's uh more more buyers in that in that um, in that uh, realm. If we're looking at 100 plus units or more.
0: 100 plus units. Okay. Those are great markets. We're part of a an asset in Phoenix. And I mean, from years back, we just refinanced it. And it's uh, it's crazy. That market has been blowing up. Maricopa County, I mean, it's probably one of the fastest growing counties in the United States, if I'm not mistaken, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we bought a deal a little over a year ago with a reversion cap of 5.75. And now, you know, cap rates there are, are closer to four. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just keeps getting, you know, more and more compressed. I mean, it is super competitive. There's a lot of buyers out there. Um, so it's great when you want to sell. It's not great when you want to buy.
0: Right. But you guys have that. If you have that many units and you're part with uh, strategic partners there, that's your competitive advantage of able to source those units. Because, I mean, it must be when I speak to people from the West Coast, and um, it, it's like uh, it must be 75% of the time, um, Arizona comes up, right? Where do you want to invest? You know what I mean? And it's like, it's Arizona's in that list right of wherever it is, Arizona, whether it's Tucson, whether it's Phoenix, um, all these different places and um, it's great. I mean, it's great that you're in there and that you have you know the uh, teams in place to be able to scale. so
1: yeah, yeah, we have you know we we have um, great relationships with all the brokers and we have a third property property management company that um, that we really like and and uh, we have a system down, and so yeah, we could see a property. Start, you know, plan our, our business, uh, you know, our business plan before we take over, and then as soon as we take over, we're we're off and rocking.
0: So you co-host a podcast, and you wrote a book about asset management, which is fantastic because, like, I feel as you were saying, the pro- project management, so our uh, property management, property management, and asset management, I feel are like the most important pieces to the real estate investing puzzle. And um, what, like, why do you consider asset management to be so important when for investments that you have?
1: Yeah, it's it's you're managing, you know, the, the asset just because you, you have a property and, and a third property property management company running it. They, they manage, you know, it could be as little as 10 properties to hundreds of properties. So you've got to make sure you know you're managing your store and you know you got to be able to push them and, and analyze all the data uh, because they're not going to analyze it the, the way you do, you know, so we break down every task. Um, so we could see where the bottlenecks are. And if, you know, if we can improve every little piece over time, that's going to turn up a, a huge, you know, value to our property. So, you know, it's, it's funny when we start off that they've never, man, you know, looked at the data the way he, we have before, but they they get into it and they, you know, they really rise to the occasion and uh, and understand the things that we're trying to achieve pretty quickly.
0: So what KPIs do you track and do you suggest other other uh, investors to track in their businesses?
1: yeah there's there's so many KPIs obviously you know, one you know you start with NOI but you know occupancy pre-leased. Um, what we do also is is break down tasks so for for leasing we look at uh, leads, appointments showings, applications and uh, and leasing so you you break down each task and um, you want to see you know if if you've got you know fifty leads, and only 10 appointments so what what's happening there are we are we responding um to their to their emails or phone calls right away um you know we'll do secret shopper reports to see if they're if they're communicating really well and selling the uh the um the units um and then all the way down the part you know if, if there's tons of applications but not enough leases know where where's the problem there are we are we overselling are we not um making sure that they are uh, capable of renting it beforehand you know all all, every every aspect you want to you want to break down um we look at renewal retention that's a that's a big one because if people aren't aren't uh renewing then you know your community isn't very strong and so you need to have better community events is there is, are there a few tenants on the property that are, are pushing people out? Um, so there, there's a lot behind that renewal retention. That's really important because if you, if you have a high, um, um, if you have a low renewal retention, that, that costs a lot of money yes. because you have to do unit turns and whatnot. So that that's a really important one that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Um, you also want to look at a projected uh, occupancy rate, 60 days down the road. So um, you know, do you have a lot of renewals coming up and, and are, are those renewals evened out throughout the year? Um, do you, are, are you aggressive enough on reaching out to uh, people that are up for renewal two, three months down the road? So you can, you could plan in advance. Um, you want to look at lease units available, uh, because you can adjust the rents. It's not just, well, I want to raise rents 25 on all the different units or reduce rents $25. For all the units, if you're not, you know, if you're not leasing, you want to see which units are performing better than others. And, and what do you need to tweak to, to maximize that um, the leasability for all the different units?
0: Yeah, for sure. The a couple things to highlight there, the staggering leases when you're doing the value add is extremely important. So it's it's very important that you have that. So when you start doing going through and renovating these units that um, you don't have, you uh, 20% of your units that are now having to be renovated and are offline. The other thing, too, you said about the turnover its extremely important. The turnover is one of the most expensive uh, costs when operating in multifamily, I feel. And I mean, it's something that, like you said, just if you can minimize that just by a week here or, you know, a few days here or something like this. I mean, especially in these larger complexes, the, the uh, what happens to your NOI is, is really a, a dramatic effect. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, if you if you're really on your KPIs and 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 reducing all the downtime and and maximizing your occupancy, I mean, we're, you know just a little bit has a huge a huge value to your property when you go to sell it. So that that's what real asset management is 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 is, is what, you know pulling all the different levers and, and and tweaking it so you can maximize it. And it could it could mean a million, two million, three million dollars of value, which is huge.
0: Right. Right. And that's what you want to find when you're acquiring a property, something that's been mismanaged and um, that you can come in there and kind of clean up and uh, tools and systems. So I want to talk about that uh, tools and systems that you normally use for your business and you advise other advise investors to use. What do you suggest?
1: Yeah. Well, we have this um, Excel spreadsheet that uh, is for the weekly report for our manager that's really involved and it's, it's a Google sheet. So um you know they'll give us the link every week, and we'll go check it. And it's it's really detailed and and customized to our needs. Something that they haven't done uh, previously, but that's really effective. It gives us all the data where all the leads are coming from, and this way we could see, you know, uh, do we want to stop advertising on this place or 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 double down on another thing? And it just gives breakdown of all the information. Um, we use RealPage, and it's it's linked to Yardi. Um, so we get, uh, that's through all, you know, we create all of our KPIs and it's, it's pretty reasonable. Um, I forget the, I think it's maybe $12 a unit, um, and maybe 5,000 set up. And I don't know, you know, maybe that was a special that we, we got, but it's, you know, for all things considered for all that data, it's, it's well worth it. Uh, if you're going to be in this business for the long haul, um, those are those are the two key things that I, I definitely recommend, you know, and, and just tracking every conversation. We just track everything so that there is um, accountability. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a gotcha, but everyone can see what their tasks are. when is it due, And they can view that Google sheet whenever they want. And uh, and it just it's it's a good reminder for us to follow up and make sure that we're we're on track because you, you've got to It's so easy to get off track. And so you, you want all that information available for everyone to see.
0: It's also easy to pinpoint where the issue is if it's your on-site manager, if it's something with your property management company itself, and then you can kind of go in there and be like, "Listen, the person that you put in this office is not, you know what I mean? We've got to, you know." And you do it now because the problem is with real estate is it's not such a fast-moving business that of that problem manager might not come out to months down the road, and you, you, you know, you figure it out and you're like, now it's blatant, and if you can pick up on that faster, obviously all those people that you're now avoiding. Uh, missing out on renewals or renting in the first place can now be uh, rectified somehow. So,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So, how has asset management for you changed during COVID nineteen in your company?
1: So we're pretty much back to normal now. I'm, you know, but in the beginning, um, you know, tons of Zoom calls, um, pictures because we couldn't get out to the property as often as we wanted to. Um so obviously we're relying on uh, on tech a lot more. Uh and that, and that that will continue, but now now we're we're back to visiting our properties as much as we've had in the past, which is every every, you know, couple weeks. Um obviously um you couldn't do due diligence and I'm not sure you would consider that asset management, but you know that that kind of, you know, restricted was restricted a little bit in COVID, but right now everything is pretty much um you know back to normal lease activity has really picked up of late as well which is which is nice to see um so yeah
0: Yeah. you guys had pretty good retention i would imagine during COVID.
1: yeah yeah we had we had good retention um you know and and for those that who we didn't want that weren't paying rent you kind of incentivize them to leave so we can get a good tenant in there but yeah there wasn't there wasn't very many um uh, as many leases and there wasn't many people, uh, leaving as well, but, uh, but now things have, now we're seeing some, some turnover, some, some, uh, some really good activity.
0: Yeah. I think people are getting on with their life and they're starting to move and doing what they kind of put off for eight months or so. Yeah. Uh, so what do you see for multifamily real estate, uh, in 2021?
1: You know, a lot of people, when, when, when COVID started, we're talking about this wave of foreclosures, it's a tremendous buying opportunity. But, you know, you know, as well, copyrights compressed, you know, you've got the interest rate, you know, COVID discount. Um, You know, I just I just don't see a lot of um, foreclosures coming down the pipeline. But uh, it's, you know, people need a place to put their money and it's it's very competitive, um, not only um, from the U.S., but, you know, tons of foreign money is coming in, investing in multifamily. So I, I see, you know you know, business as usual, tight, tight, you know, um, markets trying to, you know, you're trying to buy, uh, properties and it's, it's going to be super competitive, but, uh, there, in every market, um, in every different asset class, there are opportunities. It's, 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 you know, how do you know, you know, to take advantage of those opportunities?
0: Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't think on our commercial multifamily, what we're looking at for you and I, um, there's going to be much of a shakeup with, uh, this flood of foreclosures, because you always have to go back and tell people that, you know, agency debt loans, less than 1% of them defaulted in 08. So, you know, it's, it's the thing is that people have high collections coming through, it's not going to uh, waver the price at all. The other thing too, is there might be a shakeup in real estate, maybe on the single family with when forbearances and moratoriums, you know people moving in with other people and people moving home, stuff like that. But there's going to be even more of a demand, I think, for multifamily And um, I mean, we haven't had the number of units that are required to satisfy the population in years. So it's something that for properties that we're buying, there's going to be huge demand for those in years to come. So I don't see when people are doing that. I don't I don't see like you were saying that um, there's going to be a pullback in pricing on the larger commercial multifamily.
1: Yeah, I wish, but I don't (laughs) see that happening.
0: (laughs) So you coach a number of investors. What mistakes do you commonly see real estate investors make?
1: So, you know, investors want to invest with people they know, like and trust, but you know, one of the common mistakes is how well they know that person. Um, you know, a lot of people don't do background checks. Uh just because they're on a on a you know, have a podcast or hold a meetup or whatever it is, doesn't mean they're they're an expert. You know, um I mean even you know, I, I know a lot of people say, like, Oh, you know, they reach out to me, you're killing it. And I'm like, well, I haven't had a deal in a year. I'm not really killing. It. You see me on social media. But I mean, I'd love to have closed four properties. It just, it just didn't make sense for me, you know? So I think a lot of people need to do more research on on their, on their GP. You know, what is their experience? Have they run businesses before? Um, You know, look at some certain numbers on their, on their underwriting because every, every deal looks good on paper. You know, what's their reversion cap rate? You know, what's the population growth? Um, What's their economic occupancy? And, and new investors typically don't, you know, they don't know how to dive uh, into that. And so I I recommend them getting involved in uh, investor groups, and so that you could share uh, information and, um, and underwriting. And so everyone brings a little bit of different knowledge, and they can, you know, they can really uh, underwrite the deal, you know, more effectively.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea to do that. The I see that a lot where you have people that, um just because someone's closed a deal or they said there's done in this you know the, with the with the amount of buzz around syndication now um, you know you, you don't know what person's position was in acquiring that I mean for us, we've done one deal this year in in, uh, in 2020 and it was something where uh, it was next to other properties that we had, so we knew exactly how that was operating so it was a safe play for us and our investors to go and invest there and um you know for twenty twenty one you always want to do more deals and stuff like that, but if it, if it doesn't meet criteria to to effectively handle our strategy, then you know, you can't go in with it. I mean, that's where you're gonna have problems with not obtaining, uh, reaching any of the goals and uh, returns that you've you've set for your investors.
1: Yeah, we had lofty goals this year. um, And, you know, we just were taking down this one deal that that's it. And, you know, we do this full time, but it is what it is, we're not going to chase a deal that doesn't make sense. So
0: yeah, that's the other thing too, is you have people that aren't just living off of acquisition fees, which is something I always worry about, and people are doing deals. And you're like, you know, is that really a good deal? Is that really a great market, I wouldn't want to invest there. And it's like kind of a thing where it's just or you know, you have to also uh, feel out your operators and your the sponsorship team and see, um, you know what, like you said, their experience and what they're, and what they're really trying to do with uh, the property that they're buying. Um, what do you what do you think are the main factors
1: that have contributed to your success, Gary? Uh, well, definitely consistency. Um, you know, grinding it out every 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 single day over a long period of time. Uh, never stop learning. You know, um, uh, every every day I learn something new from someone else. So I appreciate our community, and um, you know, do what I say I'm going to do. And then the last thing is, um, uh, <laughs> um, oh, never overpromise. Yeah. Never over because a lot of people are overselling their deals or whatnot. And, you know, I make, you know, I educate them here. This is what we're doing, but you know, if you want in, you know, but I'm not going to say this is the greatest deal of all time. This is, these are the facts. These are the numbers. If you want in, we'd love to have you. If not, then, you know, so be be.
0: The other thing I don't see people do sometimes is they don't um, communicate to their investors about the first six months or nine months of a project where listen, it takes 90 days or or 45 days for me to figure out who's in this property if it's really badly mismanaged and then all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's a six-month initial stabilization period where you're getting vendors in, vendors out that were from the previous owners and all this stuff. And I think people say, oh, you know, it's going to be great from day one. Well, it's going to be cash flowing, but it's not going to be where we want it to be. It's That's going to be the the end of the first year and second year and on. And, and they don't say that, and that's another thing too. That's kind of a red flag when I'm looking at deals because I've invest passively and obviously as a general partner. But um, so, how can listeners learn more about you and your business, Gary?
1: Yeah, um, our website aptcapitalgroup.com. I'm on social media. Definitely reach out, connect, and uh, you know, love to love to talk uh, real estate with any of you guys.
0: Okay, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Gary. I'll put all the links into the show notes. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great 2021 and great with your new deal that you're closing today. Uh,
1: Thanks for for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars Incorporated exclusively.